0: Faster than expected. Fast expected. Abrupt climate change and the consequences for us and other living beings on our earth. No one should be alone in the greatest challenge of our time. Thanks to Laura Upshore for African Drum Dance on YouTube. Here's your host, Wolfgang Warminghausen. Hi, hello everybody. I'm glad to present an interview with Jan Wiley. Together with Simon Eaton, he has founded the Database of Environmental Change. It's a collection of more than 40,000 articles and their headlines about environmental issues. And it's growing fast. This is really core journalistic work, what they are doing. You can find the tool at Open Intelligence Co. UK www.open-intelligence.co.uk But before you look around there, please listen to Jan Wiley about the background and purpose of their work, or do it the other way round. This podcast episode has been an experiment of an audio and video version, but that didn't work so I decided to split this episode into three parts. First, you'll hear from Jan Wiley about his professional background and motivation to work on such a database. The second part is a video where Jan gives us a brief introduction how to use the database tool. You can find it embedded in the show notes Faster fasterthanexpected.one slash FTE Two five then please come back to hear from Jan how he's dealing with his emotions while he is improving his knowledge about the environmental disaster. Please enjoy listening to the faster than expected podcast episode number twenty five and now i'm I welcome Jan. Uh, Jan Willy, I don't know if I... Uh,
1: Wiley, actually.
0: Wiley. W- Wiley. Oh, wow. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself? What, what's your profession and uh, what's your motivation for the, <clears throat> your work on the uh, database we'll um, introduce you to?
1: Okay, yeah. My name is uh, Jan Wiley. And uh, I don't have just one profession, Um, Mm -hmm. and I'll have to be quite brief, I know, but it's been a long one. Um, One of them was journalism. Um, I was a journalist in Canada, and uh, when my newspaper closed, um, I managed to get a job as a content analyst. Uh, um, which was an intelligence organization uh, that took thousands and thousands of newspapers articles from all across Mm -hmm. the country and classified them and used them as uh, intelligence briefing material for top politicians and industrialists. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was a kind of transfer between journalism and that. And, you know, it is a writing job. It's a kind of writing, content analysis. Um, And it is a pretty difficult and demanding discipline. So I did it for a long time. And then what happened uh, is I was visiting my parents in Holland. And on my way back, I met a lady in London. I moved to London uh, right out of the blue, and for my sins, I must confess, I spent two years of my life uh, commuting across the Atlantic. Well, I would never do that now, but you know, it just shows what we didn't know. And then I met one of the pioneers of uh, online information retrieval, Uh, Dr. Tony Kent, and there is a link that we can put about that relationship, but he he was the head of the Royal Chemical Society who were pioneering this whole area of free text databases and search and all that kind of thing, long before Google was even conceived, many, many years. And as a content analyst, and here I was in this country, I thought, gee, you know, wouldn't it be interesting to um, be able to combine um, microfiche computers, because microfiche was all these newspaper articles that, Mm. you know, highlight, we could mechanize the whole thing. And I met Tony um, because he had a little newspaper ad saying he had this microfiche text retrieval system, and we met. And uh, we worked together then because we then began to have a vision of um, making computer databases, text retrieval, which is Google-like free text retrieval, and this highly structured discipline of content analysis, um, Mm. into a way that people could better use and benefit from, you know, the information resources that are available. So, a very, very sad thing happened and Tony died suddenly from an Mm asthma attack. Meanwhile, I had a company called um, Trend Monitor and Simon was one of the people that worked for me. Uh, And what we did was we used all this paper stuff to produce reports on Computing, communications, and media, um, mm-hmm. and all the beginning of the hypermedia, that kind of stuff. So, you know, we made a living that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we made a living, also a very good living, from which was quite interesting, from Y2K, which you may remember. And you know, we did, we did a. You know, we were paid a lot of money to do an analysis of what the press was saying about Y2K. Well, in the process of that, I, you know, I, I discovered that um, basically how fragile our civilization is, and how it was based on, you know, if if the computers failed, what a terrible predicament we would be in. Mm. Now. We didn't believe that the computers would fail, but the interesting thing is, we we you know there was about a one or two percent chance that anything would go wrong, and yet so much interest, panic, general mayhem went on because of that, which was a tiny, tiny percentage of chance of anything happening, and you compare that with what's going on now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a, we think, a virtual certainty that, you know, humanity faces something far, far worse than Y2K, Mm -hmm. and yet there's no interest. Anyway, there is interest. That's what we're here for, is to, you know, begin to broadcast that interest. So, anyway, the, the Y2K thing, I thought, well, I'm out of here even if it's a one percent chance I don't want to be part of it and that's what brought me to Devon
0: mm-hmm.
1: and serendipity brought me to work with a woodland and Simon came down with me too um, and we kind of decided to work along you know the original vision if you like that I had with Tony and um, and you know, move it along as a kind of background process in my case, and that's what we did. And
0: today, we hard. we will talk about your your work with Simon on on the database of environmental change. We, I will have a, a second part of this interview with Simon, and you both are. Um, developing this this database and uh, it's uh, and and it's extraordinary work Uh, you'll find it under this under this URL
1: www.open-intelligence.co.uk
0: now uh, since when are you working on this uh, database with Simon
1: well When I first got to Devon, um, we were still working on paper because Tony had just died, Tony Kent, and uh, one of the things about this kind of content analysis work is that it's it's quite addictive because you get to find out stuff and then you want to know what happens next, like any kind of soap opera, really. So Mm -hmm. Simon was developing the software in the background all the time, And, you know, I was fiddling around with, you know, we we have a collection on the economy because, you know, originally, um, not that I was motivated by money so much as, you know, the idea that, you know, we ought to be successful. We ought to be able to prove that uh, the Google way of Not managing information is not the way to get people making good, well-informed decisions. And so that was a bit of a mission, and I suppose it still is. Um, Mm -hmm. So we kept along, and then I decided we got to the point where, okay, what subject are we going to use to demonstrate what we do? Um, I've always been... Very devoted to nature, and so obviously, and had been monitoring what's going mm-hmm. on in the environment in a more or less informal way. But um, so we started. Okay, environment, environmental change. First thing you do is you know you need to scope it, and the way we were scoping it was. Uh, not just climate change, because you know it's it's a lot more than just climate change. There's so many different dimensions, and mm-hmm. so what we you know the task was to map, mind map, in fact, um, the space, um, the information space, whatever you want to call it, and that's what we did, and um, mm-hmm. and we began you know putting data in. So now every day um, I'm putting in 50 to 70 original articles into the database using, um, I don't think this is now the time to talk about it, but using mm-hmm. our inquiry language to you know describe the information that goes in. So that's where we are now.
0: Um, how many articles do you have collected now?
1: It's it's probably you know in terms of number of articles I would say probably about and you know there's a probably here because we have 44,000 I think records mm-hmm. but sometimes articles are put in more than one place um, which mm-hmm. is a very important part of the process because articles that go in more than one place mm-hmm. are about more than one aspect and so when you're trying to portray a bigger picture those become you know really important um anyway so uh
0: do, we, do you like to show show us your uh, your okay. database share your screen okay so right. um, we can can see what we are talking about Now you have heard of the background of the database of environmental change. I commend you to switch to the video of the second part where you come to know how to use the database tool. Then you may come back later to this podcast to listen to the third part or do it the other way around just as you like. You'll find the video embedded in the show notes of this episode. Faster than expected. One word. Dot one slash fte two five. Now we have a much more deeper impression of how this database may work. It's. I think it's all about connecting dots. I, I think we we could go deeper in any of the, those points you you have shown us, but the the time is limited. <laughs> we we have seen that uh, all this all, all these articles in the database uh, of environmental change might. Uh, many of them might be show us our limits as human beings or as a planet or as or non human beings and um, we, we have emotions emotional reactions on that and maybe we we are going in into depression or despair and one way to to deal with those emotions is uh, to do something. What can we do? And you, you have been talked about and some examples uh, for for you in your life. What you are still doing? Okay, main, making meaning for you.
1: I think. Yeah, I think that the most important thing that. Uh, people need to get to is some kind of sense of meaning. Um, so the, an example I gave earlier was that when time is short, and I think the database indicates that time is short. Uh, now, whether that's on a personal level or a planetary level, one thing I, 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 I'm trying to do and doing is, I give the strawberry example is that mm-hmm. I live with uh, a 92 year old uh, lovely old lady who um, owns a house and a property. And I look after the property and various things. And what she loves most is strawberries. And so every year, um, you know, I. Try and make sure that we grow enough strawberries. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I take it less seriously. Sometimes, but this year, one of the most important things I'm doing is making sure that she gets her strawberries mm-hmm. in enough quantity, and that you know we all have to. And this this is part of valuing the moment you know, that we have. And this this is the the irony is that if only people had become aware of what that valuing the moment is in their lives, we would never have got to this situation. Mm
0: -hmm. But it
1: doesn't make it too late to value the moment. It doesn't make it too late to do the right thing as much as possible For all our what I call and the Native American peoples call all our relations. Because you know, Mm -hmm. the database is all about relationships, and the real world is all about relationships. And it's not just relationships with humans that counts, it's relationships with what the Native Americans call creation, and that's all our relations. And so, anywhere you can get into a relationship, any fly that you see, if that's where it's at, you know, that is a sacred creature that everything needs to be respected, honored. You know, that's all we can do. And uh, then, not, and this is where the database comes in, because I think it's important for people not just to follow what they're being told by the powers that be or whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. But there is a line that comes through, um, government, corporate line, and it's about making people buy things and making profits and the whole thing. Let's stop buying that. Mm -hmm. And move into you know at least while we've got the time some kind of independent thinking for yourself because you know when the time comes and it may be soon mm-hmm. you're going to have to think for yourself. Everybody's going to have to think for yourself because all of the the you know the the coddling and internet and everything it won't be there to help. You're going to have to do it yourself. And so, you know, with the help of all your relations, all our relations, so that's that's where I'm trying to get to. So I don't get depressed. What it makes things is urgent. And, you know, let's get it done while we can.
0: Mm. Yes, thank you very much. This is really a... The the strawberry example is really a good uh, metaphor. Thank you very much.
1: Well, thank you, Wolfgang. It's wonderful. Thank you very much for giving us the opportunity.
0: Faster than expected. Thanks to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube. If you like my podcast, please write a comment and give me a like on SoundCloud. You'll find the link and more information on my website, xwer.de slash podcast. Take care.